Hey, welcome to the Comedy Sellers Live from America podcast. Noam Dorman is here. My name is Hatem. And comedian Kit Herman is back. Hey. Hi. And comedian Justin Perez is back as well. Hello. Welcome back. I think you say the names too quickly. People say them, say them a little more clearly so people can hear them. Kit Herman. Kit Herman. Comedian. Right. Very funny. Amazing. I like how you say that. Sounds fancy. You like, is it right? Yeah. right? Justin Perez. It's like is a it, good... It's correct. Yeah. It's, it's a good trick when you're introducing someone. If you think you're going to fuck up their name, be like, oh, the best. <laughs> oh, really? stage. Yeah. Um, and the guest of honor, uh, Mr. Jerry Reckliff. He is a former British police officer and now a professor, consultant, researcher, and author uh, with over 90 research articles and nine books, including most, most recent Reducing Crime, a companion for police leaders. Uh, he's a... Uh, Research focus on evidence-based policing, and uh, he's been working with the uh, FBI. You look familiar, <laughs> FBI and the uh, Philadelphia Police Commissioner. You've seen my pictures in some post office, right, with a number underneath that kind uh, of stuff. Oh, that 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 that's you. Uh, yeah. Nice, welcome, welcome to the show, and Cheers, thank you guys. for coming. Thanks very much. Yeah, so we're gonna talk about how we can make America safe again, right? Even though it's technically safer didn't than we, ever. Didn't we already get rid of lead paint? Isn't that all? It was, That's pretty much it, right? We're good to go. <laughs> so so you don't, I don't know if you know this. That there's, a, there's a theory out there, and, and he can probably tell you better than I can, but uh, that apparently is not as crazy as it sounds that the biggest impact on crime came from getting rid of lead uh, exposure in the in the bad neighborhoods is that you you, you put any credence to that theory i mean there's a bunch You've of heard theories it, right? yeah oh yeah i've heard that theory there is there's possibly some evidence out there not a lot of it there, but there's evidence for all sorts of stuff there are theories going around that it's to do with poverty and unemployment and moon phases and when the moon comes out everybody thinks all the crazy folk hit town and start committing crime we have a she gazillion theories out there but i i i had thought and i'm the kind i'm the kind of person who would absolutely reject this idea of lead paint theory. I mean, I'm, I'm the last person on earth who would accept some kind of nonsense theory like that. But reading about it and, and also reading the names of people like Jonathan Haidt, people who think that this, that, that, that this is substantial, I have to say, uh, I, ha I can't, you know, just because just my gut tells me something doesn't make it right. It really seems like this might, there might be something to this theory. Well, the question then is substantial, right? Because when we start talking about something being substantial, how much does any kind of toxic environment about lead paint actually contribute compared to all the other possible factors? Because there's no one cause of crime. Well, there kind of is, and we can get to that in a bit. But all these other types of stuff going on in terms of crime, then, you know, if lead paint is going to be that thin part of it, if, if at all, when all the other kind of factors that contribute to somebody's criminality or to there being crime taking place in an area, that will trump that kind of stuff. It's about, you know, I, I used to live in Australia. As you can probably tell from my accent, I'm born and raised South Philadelphia, right? Well, <laughs> 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 I, I grew up in Scotland, worked as a police officer in England, had a mountaineering accident, and that was the end of that career, so I started another one. I lived in Australia for a while, and everybody knows, right, that when you live in Australia, the water goes down the plug hole a different way. Than is that true? That is true, okay. yep. Oh, it is true? I well, it was except yeah. that if you had a perfect kind of physical environment where it was, it was absolutely 
crisp, pristine and perfect, and you just allowed all the Coriolis forces to do their thing, the water would go in a different direction. But you know how to make water go the other direction in either continent? Just swirl it a bit with your hand, either direction, and that just changes it. Because the forces that, yeah, because the forces are so weak that you can overcome them. So the lead paint stuff, similar kind of thing. You know, there may be something to it, but it's such a weak effect that all the other things that drive crime are going to just swamp that. So if you follow the lead paint theory and you try to swirl it around, you're going to have shit on your hand. Oh, exactly. That's how you get tartan paint. <laughs> so, yeah, I told you I grew up in Scotland. That's yeah. how you get tartan paint. So I don't, I don't know a lot about this stuff, but I, I there, you know, there's this crazy guy who I always see on TV defending Trump. He's like the president's lawyer. It's all like crazy person. Apparently, this guy, they say, had a big impact on fighting crime at one time. I find it very hard to believe that this nut was actually a key figure in, in fighting he, crime. Yeah. But, but being serious, do you, was, then, then are you crediting Giuliani uh, with... Let's talk about New York. Are you an expert? Do you know about New York? I, I, I heard, I've heard York? of the place. Been there once. Seems nice. <laughs> <laughs> so do you credit policies like Giuliani's, uh, the broken window theory and all that stuff with... You tell us why is crime dropped through the roof? Through the the, you know, you, you know, you go to go to real criminologists, not me, and they will study this stuff to death. And eventually, you get confused, and you know, you can read so many studies, you, yeah, your eyes start to glaze over, and then you forget what your name is and where you live. Um, there's a the challenge to that is that when we look at crime coming down in New York, which it did really, really well, was it? because the police chief at the time was Bill Bratton, who's a really big character in policing and, you know, really inspirational guy in policing. Was it Bill Bratton and was it his policies? You could argue, yes, it was. He certainly improved. What was his policies? Well, the, one of the things he did was he just started to drive accountability amongst police chiefs. So the district captains in front of all the, pre well, the precincts here in New York, uh -huh. and the precincts, you know, they had no access to data. So when they wanted to see how much crime there was in a precinct, when Bratton came in, it would take anywhere between three to six months for them to be able to tell you how much crime there was. So they're looking at statistics from six months ago. Uh, okay. Six months ago could be the summer where there's a higher crime rate as exactly. opposed to you're in the middle of winter. Where and you know what the, correlate, the best correlation to, to crime in the summer is ice cream sales. Oh. <laughs> dangerous as hell. Yeah. Uh. Every time people buy ice creams, they get homicidal. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got crime, you know, that he had no idea what was going on. So he improved the data capture. But then he also had you know, district commanders, precinct com commanders, who had no accountability. So they were sitting around twiddling their thumbs, their thumb up their ass doing fuck all, and there was no accountability. So they just, the whole department had learned that doing nothing was fine and you could get by with doing nothing. And then the promotion system then becomes, don't screw up. That's the danger. When you get police departments where people get really comfortable, the promotion system becomes, if I wait long enough, mm. just sit back on my backside. As long as I don't screw up, if you screw up, you draw yourself to notice, but otherwise you just wait till everybody kind of, you know, goes and, by the and, wayside. And if you try to be effective, you risk you screwing up. You run the risk of screwing up. So that's what he came in and he brought this accountability process. And that probably drove a lot of what certainly helped. The challenge with that is that you see other cities that don't have the Giuliani's, they don't have the Brattons, they don't have that approach. They had the lead paint. They also had the lead paint, right? But they saw a drop in crime as well. So, you know, that so I, I, when we when we look for evidence, what we look for, can you see any anything that resembles a, you know, change? But if the change happened before you did anything uh -huh. and it started to come down after that, it's like All right, well, so, so if, if we can't if we can't look to the places where crime dropped to tell us something, can we look to the places where crime didn't drop 
to tell us anything. Like in Chicago or what? I mean, where? Like what kind of Baltimore. crime are we talking about? Like violent crime. Violent crime. Violent, violent crime. We, uh, please, like what? we don't talk about white collar crime. We don't consider that crime. Go ahead. So, so like, what's going on in Chicago and Baltimore, Camden, these cities which which have stubborn high uh, crime rates? Yeah, well, well, Camden's Camden's really turned around recently. I, I, I used to do some work in Camden way back in the day, like when I first came to the states, like twenty years ago. And, so Baltimore uh, and Chicago. I mean, I don't know anything about these cities except that they. Well, Baltimore's. You didn't a, watch The Wire. Oh man, The Wire. You know, I, 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 people say, "Oh, do you watch cop shows on the television?" Never watch any of them. The one exception, The yeah. Wire. Fucking brilliant. It's the best Absolutely. best show ever. Yeah. It is spot on. So I, I, I was working in Cam- Camden, New Jersey. The time I was working there was the most dangerous city in America. Yeah. I mean, it was just a hovel. And it was incredibly dangerous. And, you know, the cops had to be really kind of careful as well. It was just a what? And I was hovel. Uh, a hovel, yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. So I'm, I'm chatting to some, like, intelligence guys. Uh-huh. And they are saying, uh, you know, they're, they're busy. They're doing a bunch of stuff. And I say, you just say, did anybody see the wire last night? And that's it. All work stops. The chairs get pushed back. Everybody sits around. And it's right. We have this, like, hour-long breakdown of every yeah. little nuance and detail about how awesome the wire is and how it got it I heard so that crime right. would drop every week when the wire was on. <laughs> they were telling me and they were telling me they, they would have wiretaps up on, you know, serious villains people who have shot a bunch of people and these guys would be like I, I, brother, i got to go, the wire's on yeah. and, they, and they would cancel the call, these guys would, wow. you know, these criminals would cancel because they were watching the wire, it was brilliant. Uh, I work in law enforcement, I'm a court officer in Brooklyn and uh, people come in for the wiretaps to judges and stuff. And the show that's really taking off that people are talking about is the criminals are talking about is the mass singer. It's just really taking off the criminals. Really? Yeah. No, that's not true. I, <laughs> I made an attempt at something. So, so, and I will never say it again. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I really want, so I really want to hear what brings crime down because, you know, I, I grew up in New York city my whole life and it was horrible. And, <clears throat> Little things like, and this isn't crime per se, but just driving home through the Bronx to get to to Ardsley where my father lived. Um, you would just stop at red lights and the cars would be accosted and the squeegee people. And yeah. It was scary. Yeah. And uh, my father used to tell me, just run the red lights. Don't, mm-hmm. don't stop. Um, and then Giuliani became mayor and it stopped. It, it really did stop. It's very, so it's very hard. Correlation is not causation. <laughs> But it's, but it's, and and we can be victims victims of that kind of cognitive bias. But it's very hard to have lived through that yeah. and not think that he did something yeah. that did it. And there is probably something to be said for that when you start cracking down on small stuff. Okay, James Q. Wilson. Yeah, yeah, I met him once. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you crack down on like this. That's good. Yeah. He makes fun of me because I don't prepare. And he's, <laughs> I hate James him. Q. Wilson was. The, he doesn't the, prepare for the show ever. <laughs> yet he comes out with this. Life has prepared me for this oh, show. Please. I re, I, I, so J- you tell me. I, James I was a Q. Bit, Wilson is. I was a bit worried that it's like you'd never prepare for the show and you prepare for me. It's like fuck you. Thanks very much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to cruise this evening, chill out, go visit the club. You yeah. know. So tell everybody who James Q. Wilson is because he's an important figure. James Q. Wilson was a researcher, a political scientist, a really important figure, one of the most cited people in uh, in our field uh it's it certainly in, in my areas he was kind of perceived to be a more conservative thinker but he had ideas about you know crime being driven we, we developed a lot of those ideas and to come back to the answer to your question uh at, at this point you know any of the kind of main traditional academic criminologists are gonna freak out at me 
But, you know, there's a... The, so, so I get stuck in... Uh, let's expand a little bit. I get kind of stuck right in the middle here because I'm pretty much hated by everybody that I run into, right? Because I used to be a police officer and, you know, uh -huh. if I hadn't... You're hanging by a thread with us, I'll tell you that. If I hadn't fallen 300 feet ice climbing in the Scottish Highlands, I'd have retired a few years ago as a police officer, but now I've got to be an academic, right? Uh -huh. uh, but, you know, I, I go into the policing environment and they're like, who is this foreign guy? He's like this liberal atheist college professor and he's a foreigner, he sounds weird. So they don't fucking trust me. And then I go to the university and it's like, hold on a minute, I, I, you know, they're all kind of much more left wing and kind of warm fuzzies and, you know, everybody's as good in everybody. Top tip, folks, there isn't. Not in everybody. And uh, they're like, oh, man, you work with the cops. So they hate, I'm hated on both sides. I'm about as popular as an STD at a Hugh Hefner party, right? So what I end up with is kind of trying to sail this middle ground. So I would love to say it is just the police. Um, and I think there's a piece to it, which is when you start clearing up the streets, when you start clamping down on people doing the small stuff, that really starts to take you towards what's called a tipping point, where you can go, you know what? People don't mind taking a step out in the street. They don't mind going out to dinner. They don't mind driving through the city because they're not going to get accosted. Now, you can't go all the way down that road the whole way because then we end up in, you know, kind of North Korea, right? But I think a chunk of that certainly helped. And once you did, you got over that tipping point mm -hmm. in New York. And once you, you're on the right road, and what policing's moved to in New York is much more precision-focused targeting towards the people who've really deserved our love and attention, right? And so I think getting over that tipping point was the really important part. And if I credit Giuliani and Bratton with anything, it's doing that and driving some accountability. Like, come on, guys, if I'm driving through your precinct, I don't want to see these guys harassing fine members of the public in New York City. So I think taking that over the tipping point was really good. Now New York's in a different place because people come out and there's investment and businesses are opening. So it's a different kind of city. It's different kind of sitting than the one you grow up in. Oh. So that probably it's needs all, a different it's kind also of... also there's a lot of things changed, like like cameras everywhere. Like I know people, you know, uh, that will say, don't like, don't fight in this area. It's all washed, you know, don't sell. It's not that I sell weed, but don't sell anything here. Don't do this. Don't do oh, you isn't know? it weird that so you they, get arrested for weed that in 11 states you can go and buy in a store? Yeah, sure. It's yeah, like nonsense, yeah. right? So I, I have a question. What, I, just to put it at the rest, uh, what's, what's the relationship between... <laughs> Gun say, ownership could say the same thing about oh, gay man. sex in his part of the world. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with that? Do you want to share some experiences? <laughs> you, you, can, you can buy it for freely. And anyway, go ahead. No, <laughs> I want to enjoy in, this. Get arrested in Egypt. Um, what's what's the yeah. relationship? Because that's a plus, right? Everybody's seen Midnight Express, right? Well, <laughs> I mean, there's some good things there. I have to admit. Uh, what's the relationship between gun uh, ownership and crime? Because is, is, there, is there really any relationship at all? Man, you're just trying to push his buttons as quickly yeah. as possible. Yeah, we're yeah, like, yeah. You we know that. Like how did you know that you know was one of my buttons? Yeah, so you do your research, I do my research, okay? I had a, I had a two hour drive from Philly here. I was listening to some he's, stuff. He's, by the way, uh, Clint <laughs> Watts, he's, he's, you're, you're friends with Clint Watts, yeah, right? He called me guy. about you. He's like, oh, Dr. Jerry's coming. I was like, what? Well, I'm curious. What, what do you think my what, what do you think my attitude about guns is? He's so, right. <laughs> Whatever he's gonna say, he's right. All right. I don't own a gun or anything. No, no. All right. So the, the man, this, the the gun debate here. If you just like just like put a grenade in the room, pull the pin out, and just step back gently. I need uh, somebody go and mention guns. Thanks for that, mate. Yeah, you got gotcha. you. Uh huh. Yeah. Where's <laughs> where's, where's that Austin? Where's the uh, where's the Doctor Evil button? Just gonna make you disappear or something, right? All right. So the way to think about it is this. You look at 
how to compare the United States to similar developed world countries. Yeah. Okay, that's all we're doing. Okay, so are they? So you look for well, what is the difference between them? You know, so take Great Britain for example. Great Britain has no shortage of people with mental health problems, no shortage of people with poverty, living with unemployment. I mean, you can see the mental health problems because what's happening around Brexit, the country's lost its mind, all right? Mm. So you've got all the kind of similar things that you have here. What they don't have is guns. Pretty much, you know, there are some other differences. You can always find differences. But the bottom line is the difference is easy access to firearms. Wait, wait, can I ask a question about Britain? Because I really don't know the answer to this. Yeah. Leaving aside the three dozen people who die in these mass shootings a year, the... When, when 30 or 40 people are shot a weekend in Chicago, yeah, does Great Britain have neighborhoods that are just like those neighborhoods in Chicago, but for the guns? Oh, yeah. They do? Oh, yeah. Wait, what do you mean, I but for the guns? Like, you mean, except like... That I, I poverty, thought, despair. Not just poverty. Oh, it's the same, like, recipe, except it doesn't have guns. Right, and so, like, you're leaving, like, the main ingredient... Is the guns? Is it, is it, no, like, so she's, 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 she's alluding to the racial quality, but it's it. You're no. you're right, but that's not the. I'm, I'm trying. I, no, I'm trying to like figure out what, exactly your question. Well, well, let, let's. It it is it there is there is you can't get away from discussing the racial aspect, but I don't think that's. I don't. I don't I think that's causative, but I do think that that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think she was saying that. <laughs> I don't no, think I was saying that. At but all. he's smart. He's, no, he's putting it on you because he wants to talk about race. No, she yeah, was saying. That. I'm down to get into it. She was. I'll take that. it. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Verbatim <laughs> out of my mouth. <laughs> also, like, was your question? Am I making a soup without the meaning? <laughs> I will preface this. Uh, people can't see. Kate is black. <laughs> so, but the the um, I mean, listen. We can't, we can't totally have it both ways. We can't say that America has a special problem with race and a special obligation when it comes to race. And then whenever we want to talk about any special manifestations of it, we say, no, no, we're the same as every other country. Well, okay, if we're the same as every other country, then maybe we don't need to give extra attention to race in this country. It seems to me that there is a... a uh, an underclass in this country that's in certain neighborhoods that has been associated with very, very high crime. But I was asking an actual sincere question that, but I don't think it's the case that these kind of neighborhoods are as common in England. I don't, I, I've never seen pictures of England with burnt out buildings and drug dealers on the street and, you know, violence and muggings and and i just never heard of that in england didn't oh. you ever watch oliver <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's yeah i mean those neighborhoods exist absolutely there is the same levels of of property crime and vehicle crime there's the same levels of assaults and muggings there are you know the, 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 like we don't we don't have people kicking the shit out of each other at our soccer games yeah, we have that outside. We have that in nightclubs and pubs and no, bars. I we know. have that in all those kinds you of neighborhoods. You have soccer, these football hooligans, right? So, so British people are about. But, as but the football playing is not the actual variable going on here. It's what I'm saying is, yeah, you understand uh, what I'm saying. Yeah, I think yeah. it is now. <laughs> so what you've got, so what you've got is that you've got similar levels of violence. Yeah, some studies have shown shown that generally there's similar levels of violence. The difference between American violence and British violence is American violence is multiple times more lethal. Okay. okay. So people are just as aggressive. People get drunk, they get violent, they get fucked up. 
they have mental health problems, they have stresses and anxieties, they get angry for nothing, they have road rage. But you know what, when you're driving along road rage, it's really difficult to shoot somebody when you haven't got a gun. And so what you end up with, when you look at all these kind of things, the difference between them tends to be the easy access to firearms. Okay, so what so you, there is a relationship with firearms. Yeah. Absolutely, I mean, so, so the number of people, so the homicide rate in the UK, which has got all the same levels. In fact, the UK should have a higher homicide rate, given the fact that it is a much more urban society than the United States. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're a few big cities, but the rest of the country's, you know, pastoral lands where everybody knows each other and yeehaw, right? But I, I don't travel much beyond the coastlines. I'm probably making that clear, right? Mm-hmm. But what you have is, in the UK, a much more urban environment. So we should have a much higher homicide rate. And the, homo- homicide, we, the homicide rate in the UK, I'm here now, the homicide rate in the UK is like a fifth of the homicide rate here. And the difference is, you know, the number of people killed with a gun. So the, the UK has got a population of 60 million people. That's one fifth of the, the United States. Do you know how many people were killed with a gun last year? 29. Chicago could do that on a, on a holiday weekend. Okay, listen, I want, I want to push back on this. And, and, and I never saw this coming. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, if you have no guns, you can have no gun violence. So if you start from zero guns and then introduce guns, you, you will see a correlation, of course, that the more guns you have, the more violence you have, and I and I don't dispute that. Question is, is that is that the whole story? So, um, in these communities which have high gun violence in in America, mm-hmm. they have high crime of every kind: muggings, rapings, knifings. Uh, the, the the stats, I, knifings, I, stabbings. The the stats. Um, Harsh words. <laughs> the stats are correlate higher to every single type of violent crime. I'm sure much more lethal because when you have a and gun, not, that, and not that to mention it. these guns uh, are not like handguns too. Like it's not it's not that the guns we were talking about. No, no, we're talking about, we're talking about handguns now. Uh-huh. And then and then so just leave that aside for a second. And then going back to New York City, my whole life living in high crime in New York City, the number one thing out of everybody's mouth was gun control. We need gun control. We need gun control. And yet, magically, the crime stopped without any change in the gun laws and without any reduction in guns. And then I'll tell you something else that, that, that you probably know. A lot of, I used to know like some guys, musicians would carry guns with them, illegal guns, and they stopped carrying the guns too because they didn't feel threatened anymore. So it kind of just all dissolved, you know? So then even people who were carrying guns, and a lot of people would carry guns for protection, but then they get in a fight and end up shooting somebody. Right. And so, so it just, it was, it's a reverse feedback loop. So the, the, the but there is still something fundamentally different about the, the societies as well, I think, which goes beyond just the gun laws. But, you know, it, 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 uh, there's no evidence to suggest that. So people say, oh, we have a culture of violence. Well, Britain has a culture of violence. Australia has a culture of violence. Just see some of the pubs and bars and the nightclubs on the Gold Coast up the Northeast. It's hot. Everybody drinks cheap beer and they get drunk and they start fights. Uh, you know, countries have cultures of violence. We have a tendency to, th- we always have a tendency to think that we are unique. The key part about what you just said is like, oh, we have no guns. What I, I said was what the key is that drives us is easy access to guns. You know, we're, we're easy access to guns because the, the key, what drives crime or what reduces crime 
is opportunity. If you can reduce the opportunities for crime, vehicle theft is declining rapidly in the United States. Well, but that's because of the technology in the cars, too. Right, because what we're doing is we're reducing the opportunity. It's now really hard for a 14-year-old to steal a car. You ever tried to break into a, a modern car? That shit's difficult. Back in, back in the day, I mean, when I was at university, when I, I, I left the police and threw myself down a mountainside in Scotland, back in, I had a Citroen 2CV, sort of douche of O's. I've had lawnmowers with more powerful engines. I gave up trying to lock that thing. I left it unlocked. You know, it's only because it was one of these column shift <laughs> uh -huh. French things that the kids couldn't figure out how to drive it. Yeah. Okay, so I reduced the opportunity because they couldn't figure out how to drive that. There were no other cars like that. But cars are really easy to break into. When I was a police officer, I had one of these big British policeman's hats. Yeah. And I used to keep packing tape in it, you know, that kind of thin tape, because you could just shimmy that stuff inside a, around a, a window, and you could the little button, you could just loop it over that, pull it around and pop it up. It used to take me about 30 seconds. I could break into a car in 30 seconds. Now it's incredibly difficult. We've improved security. You talked about the CCTV cameras. We've increased the, the chance that you no get cars caught. are ever really injured in that process right like you know a window maybe you're like i don't know i keep thinking like i'm just like i feel like i'm losing my mind because like you're calling it gun like you specify like when i asked what kind of crime you said violent crime and now we're getting specific about gun violence and you're like well what's the difference between this and places where you can't have guns and it's like well they don't call it they don't even have gun violence you know what i mean they just have like there's crime and there's like whatever crime in america we have a whole separate section just for gun violence because it's so common. Well, but that's... So, a, I, so, okay, I, did some, okay, so I did some calculations. Wait, wait. So just give you a sense ahead. of it. So gonna, while you do that, I'm going to look something up because I don't think you're right about something. But go ahead. All right. but go So uh, I did some brief calculations uh, a short while ago. So Phil, I looked at gun violence in Philadelphia. Yeah. Philadelphia, we've got a year's worth of gun violence in Philadelphia. If we want to do a year, if we wanted, if we were in Britain to get the year's worth of gun violence. So Philadelphia has a population of 1.5 million people. Mm -hmm. If it were at a commensurate rate to the UK, to get one year's worth of gun violence in Philadelphia would take over a thousand years. Give yeah. you some sense of the difference in the Wait. gun violence rate, wow. the gun homicide rate. In wow. So, do you understand? You get it? No. Can you like, mansplain it's it? Making, yeah, can it's going to make it your point. <laughs> yeah. Okay, right. That's what I thought. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, so here, here it is. Homicide deaths per 100,000 population. This is on Glock.com. This is on 538.com. <laughs> this is a credible website. Yeah, yeah. Um, United States white people. Now, they have all the same access to, to guns as everybody else. 2.5 per 100,000. Uh, that's a little bit higher than Finland, a little bit uh, lower than, well, I'll tell you what it is. Norway is 1.4, Belgium is 1.7, Finland is 2.0, United States is 2.5, Chile is 3.3, Latvia, Cuba, United. So, so it's, it's very, very. So, what's the place with gun control? What's Australia? Um, uh, trying to find it on this list. Australia is 1.1. Mm -hmm. So, twice as a white person in America is a little bit more than twice as likely as an Australian to get killed, uh, homicide. However, it's still a, a minuscule number. One out of 100,000 as opposed to two out of 100,000. A black person in America, yep. 20 out of 100,000. 20 times. Uh -huh. So... 
But you could go now, to you could go and, to you could go to neighborhoods in Philadelphia where a bunch of black people live, predominantly black neighborhoods, and find the homicide rate is really low. No, of course, I'm not saying. So you can you can end up passing this stuff down to smaller areas. You're going to find some there. There'll be parts of some cities like Baltimore where the homicide rate is equivalent to El Salvador. No, I'm not. Which I've done some work in. Saying that all black people are shooting each other. I'm saying that the where we're having extremely high violence, like in Chicago or wherever it is, for whatever reason, this is a problem which is very, very, very much limited to, unfortunately, to the minority community. In New York City, according to the Washington Post, according to the New York Times, 98.6% of violent crime is non-white. So obviously, in my mind, I think two things are obvious. Yes, as you increase guns, you're going to increase violence in some way. Maybe you go from 1.1 to 2.5. But there's also something unique to America when you have one distinct population at 20 times that number. And by the way, almost 20 times the number of the same people who are shooting each other at 2.5. Okay, so you're talking, so you're aware of the nature of correlations. So let me replace some of those words for you. You've got one relatively affluent community who have a long history of having access to services and access to resources, who have a low homicide rate. And then you've got one community who have had 100 years of unequal lack of access. Oh, now you explain to, the reasons. Yeah, I agree yeah. with you. So, I mean, are the, are the reasons race or are the reasons to do with poverty, lack of access to opportunity and structural no, no, factors that's, of the that's United what I say. States? I, it, so it's not ra- a race issue. It's a structural well, access they, they, to they, those kind of things. They're the same thing. Well, but but I, I don't think we're disagreeing. What I'm saying is that as soon as you start talking, as soon as you start bringing into this conversation 100 years of racism, you're acknowledging that there's something more than guns going on. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not. I'm and, not blaming and guns, black people for what's happened to them in this country. No, no. I'm saying that let's not pretend that we're just exactly the same as every other country. We have we have a particular shameful problem in this country that we talk about all the time, well, we except like we lose our nerve to talk about it when we want to actually talk about sure. how it manifests itself. Look, since I've been here 20 years, yeah. one of the things that has always just astounded me is America's lack of ability to talk about race properly. Yeah. Okay, and to be honest with you, I'm not sure I'm the most qualified person to start that conversation. Uh, I have a few problems in that regard. You are the whitest guy in the room. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I think Kay could speak about the race stuff. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Kay. What do you is, want it, is it true what they say? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, w- I want to know what's what's your thought in uh, community policing then. Oh, look, if you get 10 police chiefs in a room and you ask them what community policing is, you'll get 11 different answers. Because yeah. by the time the last person's answered, the first person's changed their mind. It's, uh, there, is, there is no evidence that police departments that move to a community policing ethos have been able to measurably reduce crime. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's a bad thing to do. Not everything about policing is uh, about dealing with crime. One of the biggest things that's a big problem in policing is dealing with people with behavioral health problems, mental health problems. If you look at uh, mental health spending in the United States 30 years ago, two-thirds of mental health spending in the U.S. 30 years ago was on residential or inpatient treatment. So people who on the street now who have behavioral health problems, clearly having some mental health adventures, all right? Uh-huh. Those people were dealt with either in residential or inpatient mm-hmm. locations. So dealt with by professionals who that was their full-time job. Nowadays, that spending is at most, it's less than one-third. So there's an extra one-third of spending that hasn't gone on outpatient treatment. It's gone on prescription drugs. 
And that's, what that's done is shifted the supervision of people across the United States with behavioral mental health problems onto the street, onto the community, and that means the police. So now the police are dealing with people with behavioral mental health problems much more than they're dealing, uh, in many places, dealing with violent crime. So, you know, community policing, does it do anything about crime? No. Does it help in some other areas? Yeah, it probably does. What do you think about, since we're talking about race and guns and everything, like, you I know, was really trying to move away from it, but thanks, Kate. <laughs> killing appreciate it. everybody. Yeah, yeah, like that whole thing. Like uh, when, you know, like cops shoot people. When For it or against it? That's <laughs> <laughs> who it is. Uh, in a whole, in about half the time it happens, the other person has a firearm. In quite a few of those times, yeah. they are actually, you know, you are a police officer. Yeah, you know, I used to be. I, well, British police don't carry firearms on the whole. Oh, we know that. But I did for a while. I used to be a firearms officer. I used to be in the Royalty and Diplomatic Protection Group. And so I used to do a little bit of close protection. I used to do armed protection outside places like the American Embassy and Downing Street, which was fun because I did it right through a terrorism campaign, provisional IRA bombing campaign. You're not going to scare me. It was exciting, you know. <laughs> Never a boring day, right? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got no problem with it. I'm sorry, but if you come at me, if you come at the cops yeah, and you wave a gun around, in, then congratulations, you're but, in but yet, how, but yet, How often outside of America, like when you were a cop, like outside of America, did you feel like it was an easier job than when you're here? and other civilians are as heavily armed, if not more armed, than you? Uh, there are all sorts of things that make policing it easier or a less easy job. Uh, I think for most police officers, the things that they find more reassuring is how quickly is backup. If things go south, yeah. how quickly can I get a bit of help here? Because yeah. you can get rural parts of anywhere, and they're like, oh, if it's 40 minutes away, I'm not happy about dealing with some stuff. That's why, like, state troopers in New York have, like, a high death rate because you're doing a car stop and somebody and they might they think they're getting pulled over because they murdered their wife 10 minutes ago. And so they'll fire at the cop and the cop's by himself. And yeah. but, because they have a gun, though. Yes. But then on the, on the other hand, that, that number... He's looking up his next statistic. <laughs> yeah. But, but that, that number declined once they start wearing the body cameras, you know. So, so there was... Some, oh, there's some accountability you yeah, think, with the body cameras? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, there hasn't been there, the numbers on police-involved shootings hasn't declined in that in so much in that regard. Use of force has in some places. Uh, what's really declined is reductions in complaints against police. Yeah, because people can't pull that shit when everything's on video. Yeah, as some cops in Baltimore found out. Oh yeah, I mean, to, uh, man, you're always <laughs> planting drugs. Look, the, I think for for good cops out there, uh, and I speak as an academic now, but for good cops out there, there there is nothing that good cops hate more than bad cops. Yeah. You know, I mean, we've talking about more than 800,000 police officers in the United States. But if they do, like saying, they would have reported them to internal affairs, which they never do. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, that's the problem. And it, we change that internal culture. It's a real story. But you come back to the, so the gun in the, the gun she, side. She, she really want to talk about race. I, I can feel her frustration. It's fine. We'll, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no. No, no, I'm just joking. So, yeah. Go so, ahead. Okay, what do so, you have? So this is... A, just so you know that I'm not a, I'm not a total crazy person. So I had written I an email to somebody <laughs> as along the lines of what you're asking. And this, and this I think is, is a function of guns. <clears throat> I wrote, if civilians had no access to guns in America, i.e. that means that is police did not worry about suspects uh, being armed. Yep. They had no worry. Question was how much police brutality would still exist? My answer was most of it. How many police shootings would there still be? My answer is almost none. That's, in other words, I think that the, the fear of 
guns drives most of the, the, the hair trigger shootings that we see. Because if, if you want to just kick the shit out of somebody, as so many cops, many cops do want to do, uh, they, they, they can put them in the back of a police car, say they uh, were resisting arrest or whatever it is, and the guy comes out totally beaten to a pulp and nobody can prove anything. They take out a gun and shoot somebody while people are shooting video cameras in front of everybody. Um, that's no, if, if you're a murderer, that's not the way you go about it. But so, so I think in almost all the police shootings, except for like the guy who shoots the guy in the back and somewhere in the South. Oh yeah. Some amazing murders. Hold on. Most of these guys are um, panicking one, in one way or another. No? Yeah, well, it, it's really difficult to say because the numbers are, this is going to sound really strange. The numbers are really difficult to make any kind of significant headway in. So, I mean, just, I mean, so, I mean. It's just I, common sense. Why would somebody, it, why would, are they waking up the one and say, you know, I think I'm just going to shoot somebody today in front of everybody. I, I think it's fair to say probably not most people are doing. Nobody's thinking, I'm going to go. It's power go. Yeah, it's like no. when bouncers kick people out. Yeah, but uh, the power trip is fine. But, but you know, that's not it's really it's not a power Okay, so let's take the most, let's, take, let's take a very difficult case. It was in Minnesota, this Philando Castile. Yeah, yeah. And he he says, take the uh, take. Let me see your license. Then he says, I have a gun. He says, uh, don't take out the gun. Uh, and then he shoots him. Yeah. But do you While think it, if he was white that that would have turned well, out different? Well, I don't know. Maybe not. The and, cop was Asian. And, um, and the, the cop was Asian. He was. He was Asian. Yeah, but, no, but ha- Asian LA, people are so scared LA of black people. Yeah, no, he, he's I, I, Asian, but you want it to be white. Yeah, would, so, so then so his... Like, girl, Asians are scared of black people. <laughs> no, yeah. I have no idea. I, I yeah. just made that up. I just want to see you guys paying attention. No, no, no well, this is, the reason is I say put it that way is because if you want to think it's hate, then, yeah, you might want to say it's unique to white people. But if you're ready to say, no, this is just fear of uh, maybe it's a racist fear, but fear of, of, a, of a profile, then why would Asians be any less scared than anybody else? But the thing is weird about that whole story. We know it is that his girlfriend is there sh- filming it or, mm-hmm. and he doesn't then take the gun and also shoot the girlfriend. Like if you're, if you wanted to murder this dude in, in cold blood, if that's really what happened, why would the girlfriend be left to tell the, yeah. to, to turn in the video? You'd shoot her too. And you'd get rid of her phone, I, obviously. I, I right? feel like you're there's no, there's, so so something other your than cold blooded murder. So, cold blood. <laughs> this is a crazy alternate ending. That doesn't make sense. to You know what I'm saying? I I feel like you're agreeing with him though. If you take out and, the yeah, access to guns, I am agreeing with him. Then there will be less police shootings, and if there's more yes, policing, like in England, did you hear the email I read? I know, but I'm saying <laughs> but, you've come around to his but point. Here, here, but, he, but he told him to do it though. I go on ride-alongs with cops wherever I go. Yeah. So, so but for, I, for I, me, a, I I go on ride-alongs. So I've gone on ride-alongs. In El Salvador, yeah. in a town where the, so the, the homicide rate in the United States is about five in every hundred thousand people for five homicides for every hundred thousand people, right? Uh-huh. The town I was doing a ride along in, the homicide rate was three hundred and two for every hundred thousand people. Now imagine that coming from a British perspective, where it's like one point four, and Australia is like one point one. So I'm going to a place that has a homicide rate nearly three hundred times higher, and I'm they sent me out with. A bulletproof vehicle. They sent me out with two vehicles full of cops with assault weapons. I mean, we were we were like a convoy. And this is for me. I'm a college professor for crying out loud. I mean, they are tool to the hilt and they are ready for action. British cops have to worry about a great deal, but they don't 
probably don't have to worry about when they do a traffic stop and want to give somebody a ticket, that person's going to pull a gun. It just doesn't factor into the equation. Yeah. They have to think about a bunch of other stuff. They have to worry about all the same kind of other stuff, you know, but they don't have to worry about, pretty much don't have to worry about somebody pulling a gun and clipping them. There's yeah, a reason so- that most cops have, uh, in, most, in most, most places they have their, their firearm on them, and then in most cars they'll have either a shotgun or something bigger, or they'll call like an SRT team or like an ESU team. And that's because they want to meet the same firepower. I don't know what SRT and ESU are. Uh, ESU is like emergency yeah, services unit. It's like the SWAT team of New York City. So it's like they want to meet equal firepower with equal firepower. So you don't want to go to a knife fight with the, you know your fists or vice versa. So I think... With, with Kate. Yeah. <laughs> with Kate. <laughs> so I, I think the whole point is I, if you eliminate the guns, you won't have to ever have this issue. But you also don't want to be in El Salvador... And just have a pistol when people are have M16s or something that they're firing at you. Yeah, listen, it, I, I it's think a it, shitty situation. It's, it's, but. It's, a, it's a very tough thing. I, and my only point about the race, because I know it's going to get misconstrued, is that, um, well, I mean, I think I did already say it. Is yeah, that, Chinese we, people are scared mm-hmm. of the blacks. No, we, we hear all the time <laughs> when we're when we're being when it's being advocated to us how badly black people are doing in America. We are told by people on the left, how statistically more likely it is for a black person to be killed than a white person. This shows, look at, look at how they live. Look, look at, look at what they're, look how they're suffering and they're right. But then if you also want to bring that up as any kind of evidence of a problem, if, if it's not from the right political point of view, then it somehow can be construed as racism. But I'm not, I'm not saying it from a, a an unsympathetic place. I'm really not. I don't believe that. I think it's, I shouldn't say I don't believe. I think it's absolutely plausible that this guy, Philando Castile, would not have been shot if he were white. Because I don't think the cop would have been as, as worried about him. On the other hand, when you're a cop and you know that the overwhelming majority likelihood of who's going to shoot you looks like this guy and not like you, Whoa, then whoa, I'm whoa. not ready to, to say that that's racism on the hand side of the cop. I'm saying that's just a fucking tragic situation of reality because any there's no there's no one of us and nobody we've ever met who at some point doesn't succumb to certain pattern recognition. You you say in, in a, a guy um, in a British cop who pulls over in a traffic stop just doesn't worry about getting shot. The fact is. A cop in New York City that pulls a white guy over doesn't worry about getting shot. It's exactly the same. No, they it's, worry about getting no, shot. No, they yeah. don't. They Ticket do. is $115. They, they, but you understand what I'm saying? The, 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 Nothing in you, you tell it. California is like 500 plus. Yeah. The uh, only place can. I drive. Yeah, I'm, you I'm just kind of trained to drive by you the police. You have a point. So I only have two speeds, warp nine and stop. It's <laughs> <laughs> like not don't, in California. Don't, don't, don't get me an easy way out of this. So it's, <laughs> the, uh, a New York, statistically, a New York cop who pulls over me at a traffic stop is just as unworried about getting shot as the cop in England. Okay, there's so is that correct say, or not? So when you say the word statistically, that suggests some kind of statistical evidence. And there is yes. no evidence to support that because I cannot tell you what is in the minds of cops when they're so what if you, they're rational, what, they would be the, the same. Look, yeah, no, the guy that shot Philando Castriel, I mean, we all see in the video, you can look at a bunch of police shootings out there and you go, Oh, the police officer was not acting rationally. So you're arguing for a position from a position of rationality, and I, I can't defend any of that kind of stuff, and it's awful. But when you're sort of saying, you know, what's in the Are mind you of not people? Really, not going to grant no, me this point that a cop who pulls me over 
is not worried about me shooting him in the same way he'd be worried about pulling over like a 20-year-old black dude in Harlem. So where I think it's probably an issue. No, because if it's just him, like it would be more likely if there are 50 of him. That you would then do Have it. you heard of anybody so that fits my like, profile yes. shooting a cop in New York in I'm the last saying, 20 here's, years? Here's where I think it might be an issue. Here's where it might be a profile. Here's where I think it might be sure. an issue. So I tell you, I go and ride alongs a lot. Yeah. So the places where uh, it always feels to me that the cops have get their shit together is in the worst neighborhoods. Right. All right. Because they're <clears> out there day in, day out doing traffic. The, the good cops are working. Okay. The other, there are a bunch of other cops who are not working. You know, some people treat it like a profession. Some people treat it like a job. All right, but I, if I get lucky, I get to go out with some guys who are working. They're doing traffic stops. They're giving traffic. They're speaking to people. They are doing that so frequently in neighborhoods that are often high crime, minority neighborhoods, that I don't. They they couldn't do that for a lengthy career if they had a heightened level of anxiety, regardless of the people they're dealing with. Where I think it might be an issue, where it, where, and I've got no evidence to support this. I want to stress that, but it might be an issue is in the suburbs, where the cops there are are used to dealing with white, affluent, easygoing people who might bitch about the ticket and then write to their lawyer. Then they stop a car that's not from around those neighborhoods and then they get they might have a heightened level of anxiety. So I think for, you know, for a New York cop, if you've got a New York cop working in predominantly black area, if you've got a Philly cop who works West Philly or North Philadelphia, they, they ain't gonna, their pulse rate's not going to change whether they're stopping a car full of white guys or black guys. I, I don't agree. And you, I, don't, I don't agree with that, but I can't. I, well, I, I would we, say there's no evidence for that. So there is evidence way, in New York so. City that most car stops are predominantly minorities. So you can say, are they amped up every single time in New York City or are they not really amped up? If you were amped up, you just wouldn't do the I mean, it would stop. be insane. And you every would, single you, place. Let's not talk about black people or white because it's so, it's so ugly sounding. Okay. Let's just say if I told you that Otis Elevators snapped one out of 100,000 times and Hatem, Ele Hatem Elevators <laughs> snapped 100 out of 100,000 times. People are going to be nervous, more nervous. With the foreign sounding with, elevator? With, with the elevator. That, and, 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 and this is just, people, are, I'll tell you something else anecdotally. When I, people used to be very, very worried about getting mugged in New York. Yeah. And at the same time, you would always hear these stories about people crossing to the other side of the street when somebody black was walking around. You know, it was all these kind of like defensive measures that have taken. But it occurred to me recently that I haven't heard anybody getting mugged in a long time. Yeah. And I also noticed I haven't heard about anybody like saying, yeah. A woman I, just got raped asking for directions last night. I read it in the New York Post. But I also noticed that people are, have much less racial anxiety than they used to. I know I don't see people like expressing concern about seeing a bunch of black guys on the street being worried about it. Like I remember in the nineties and I think that's because everybody's kind of internalized the idea that no, it was kind of, we're all, we're much all closer to being the same. Now there isn't, there isn't any obvious criminal problem anymore, but what used to be called racist, even though Jesse Jackson had said the same thing famously that, and, and Chris Rockett said the same thing famously, all the, you know, the same outrageous things that I'm talking about. Uh, quite um, uh, black people who are quite credible on civil rights and on racism had said, expressed similar things. These things have kind of dissolved as the rational basis disappeared and nothing in, and until the rational basis disappeared, you can scream and yell at people. You can call them racist. You can say anything you want to them. They see a bunch of tough guys on the street that fit the profile. They cross to the other side of the street. 
And that's my only point, that people are very rational, including cops, including anybody. Everybody knows what's really going on. So in Chicago, when you hear about all these, I mean, the, the numbers are shocking, the number of people who were shot in Chicago. I am sure that a cop who pulls over a black dude in Chicago is going to be a lot more nervous than when he pulls over a white guy. How could he not be? Is he a robot? <laughs> but I would say like most. Of, I agree with you, but I, I would say like most of his stops. Like theory, like that whole thing, because I feel like you you argued to you. Argued I was trying to keep a little bit over your head. So. Same. No, but you like you. <laughs> You went between space and time with that one. Thank you. It's a compliment, <laughs> I think. Uh, no, <laughs> because... I, no, it all, it all makes sense to me. Sure, sure, because you because you agree with all facets of it, and then you're like, and there's what I put on the table, and it's like, well, yeah, but you con like you contradict yourself in your own... I do so, not so let, let, let me myself. ask you this, this that we're talking about. Go oh, back to is, me again? Oh, yeah. Is you it, can is tell it, me... She's not a contradict myself. You can tell me where I contradict myself. Maybe, maybe you're right. Go ahead. Well, just that, like... You started it with it being like the like racial profiling, like bias kind of stuff, right? And like, but the whole thing starts with having access to guns and like being in this one kind of neighborhood. And like, that's your like one premise. But then you have this other premise where it's kind of like a utopia, but like the other variable is like um, just like having crime in general and like living like in a society, like wherever, but like there's still the same. Factors, no, and then you overlay I, no, them. No, because they're like, both true. I said, obviously, if you start from a baseline of zero guns, which means zero gun violence, then yes, the more guns we have, the more gun violence we're going to have. So I can't be crazy to say that the opposite is not also true, that if you start really sucking guns out, that you're going to bring gun violence down. I understand that. But that's not quite the same thing as pretending that the guns are what's causing the violence because what you also need is someone who wants to commit that violence, the, 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 the intent. And when I, listen, when I was a kid, you could go to Central Avenue in Hartsdale, Moore Sands, and buy a shotgun. Gun laws were much, uh, very easy then. My father did. When we first moved to the suburbs, he was worried about my mother being alone in the house, and he bought her a shotgun. Yet nobody was shooting up schools. The same, the shotguns were just as available then as they are, more available then than they are now. So America doesn't have a gun violence problem. We don't? It has multiple gun violence Mo problems. Multiple problems, So there's no yes. one problem that will be solved with one solution. That's right. That's what sure. I'm saying. You're contradicting yourself. <laughs> all right. All right. So, so back to my brilliant question. Uh, is there, since we were talking about race and all that, is there accepted racism to degree in policing? Oh, look. Where are police officers drawn from? Yeah. The community. Is there racism in the community? And what type of people become police? Well, that's... You know, people like, who so take a lot of tests for civil servants like I did. Now, why, why, why would you want to be a police officer? I took seven different tests when I was 18. I took sanitation, New York State Troopers, NYPD, Fire Department, New York State Courts, which is where I'm at now. And, uh, but you were looking for a career, right? You really, no, wanted, you really mom, wanted that city no, pension, no, 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 didn't no. you? My <laughs> mom forced me. She signed me up without my consent. To sanitation? Signed me up and would wake me up certain days and say, guess what? Sanitation today. Guess there's, what? There's Courts a mother's today. love right there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe you in college, so I'm going to just have a backup plan. So they all came calling when I was between 18 and 21, and the only one that didn't call until very late was court officers. So when I was 23 yeah. is when the process started to start the job. But I, I declined uh, PD, fire department, and sanitation. I f did terrible in New York State Troopers. But I have no desire to be in law enforcement. It was not my like dream to be in law enforcement. It was a thing. But that's why you are not. 
So, oh, no, no. I hate black are, people. I want you to know. No, I'm kidding. Uh, uh, if, if you are, like, why would you? My, my question is, why would you want to be a police officer? But then I think a lot of people, a kind of, it's all they know because their father was a police officer. Their father was in civil service. A lot of people, it's not this, like, dream to control power over people. That's Some exactly people it is. Only, yeah, that's, but that's it's the, the same. Because not a lot of money. people in podcasting. There's people in podcasting. And, like, we don't know why, but, like, he's good at it, you know? And, like, well, define good at it. He like he like gets arrested. awards for like you know having <laughs> yeah. like an arm situation and not killing anybody you know like things like that. He's also like so he was also like the quiet one who like hoarded his like dollars and yeah. But is he, is he a good cop? Like does he treat people in a certain way? Does he does he take shit for free? No, I mean we also like he would never admit it to you anyway. Like, so how many yeah, unarmed people? Yeah, asset forfeiture. How many unarmed people do you think police <laughs> are shooting and killing every year? What? How many unarmed people do you think police are shooting and killing every year? I mean, the ones that I hear about seems like very few. Now, now he's talking. Now he's now he's uh, on it's, my it's side. It's not a lot. It's minuscule. So you Compa- know, well, like what's like, but what's like more people drown in bathtubs? Truthfully, but I feel like a lot of people drown in bathtubs. I taught swimming classes. <laughs> a lot of people don't know how to swim. Can we well, bring down you know, the rate? Hold on. Yeah, bring down the rate of bathtub now, drowning. Now, that's right. Exactly. Now, now this is exactly my point. Opportunity. Reduce the opportunity. Okay, how many Hashtag people? Would, how bathtubbing. many people would die in bathtubs if we got rid of bathtubs? Okay, but this is no. This is a fallacy of <laughs> we logic. Went to a shower, I have the argument. If we went to a shower-based <laughs> community, I, I think we'd all yeah. like that. <laughs> Men would like it. Women would hate it. That's uh... so. The thing about cops, look, I, I don't. I, I know a lot of cops in there who are terrific, but I just feel like if you're a pedophile, you're more likely to take a job where you are going to be around children. If five percent of if five percent of the population are pedophiles, male population pedophiles, I would have to believe that ten or twelve percent of Ele- male elementary school teachers are pedophiles. That's that's just what I believe, and or babysitters. And I think that if you want to kick the shit out of people, if you if you if you're that type of dude, policeman is a, is a, an attractive profession, and and then has to have a slightly high percentage higher percentage. So I mean, so what we're talking about is oh, the police as this homogenous block of people. We're talking about more than eight hundred thousand people across the United States. That's larger than the population of Seattle. I don't hear anybody saying. Oh, Seattle people, they're all exactly... Um, no, but okay, but Seattle baby people but it's are. Not the same, no, I, it's, I said it, a from, small subset. Five. Yeah, and from, it's different from a city to city. Like, I understand other cities, as they mentioned, they, they want to have a career. There's not a lot of job opportunity and stuff like that. But here, especially in New York City, you know exactly No, why no, but I, well, why, I, why I, I push why? back. I, huh? Why do they become cops? Because... To your point, they want to. They want to. They have some violence. They, they want to have a power no, trip. But it's got to be. I know. I see. I, I, I think you just like care about. Like you care about. Really? Like, you yeah, really think so? Yeah, I, I think people. You really, I think it's small. You really wake up. It's like I no, care about people. I, 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 I really don't think eight hundred thousand people are just doing it for the power. Trip. I think it's a small number. I'm not saying everybody. I just think it's a slightly. It's a slightly higher number than the general population. True. Who, who fit that problem? I, I, I don't think it's so. I don't so think it's so here's back. Here are two. Here are two issues. <laughs> with, here are two small issues, and this yeah. is just the. There are two issues with police hiring. The first is that across the United States, the percentage of police officers who are women is only about thirteen to fourteen percent. That is a huge problem. 
because there is a bunch of evidence that women are better police officers. They're better at problem solving. True. For police departments. Especially in Halloween. Yeah. For <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of policing on, is not physical. <laughs> That's <laughs> the thing that people... The, the job are you a liberal? The job... I would <laughs> like to confuse the hell out of how, people. How can you... How dare you say that somebody is better at something based on their sex? I, I said like, based on the evidence. Women attract right. fewer complaints. Women are cost police departments less in lawsuits. But women have... There's some evidence that women have better problems so okay, and leadership so are skills. men better uh, at anything? Yeah, men are better at better things. You're I'm not just, allowed to say it. If they are, how come we're allowed to say that women are better? They're better at physically <laughs> catching people, I guess. You can. So having been in, having been in a few riots, having been in a few riots, you know, who I like to stand neck behind the biggest fucking cop I can find. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let me just say how right you are. And he knows this. I've had for years. I prefer to have females dealing with any. I, sure. I, I don't want my bouncers to do anything. If I could hire fake bouncers like scarecrows. <laughs> like, they would, people, like people would think they were alive yeah. and then just have the waitresses deal with the difficult customers, that would be the best outcome because the, wait, the women always handle it better. I, I don't like the bouncers even t asking people to be quiet. I said, let the waitress do it because there's just, it's just, but I don't know if that's because women are better or just because the dynamic of a woman and a man and because a man won't manhandle a woman as easily and he's not as a macho well, thing. Well, also, they don't it, bring it, a it whole pile better. of testosterone. So one of the problems with, you know, right, for especially for younger cops to figure out is Now you've done it again. You kind of come in, have to, you have Plenty to come in Plenty of women have testosterone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ones I like. You're making yeah. assumptions about women. Everybody, everybody in policing is an alpha male and that's just the women. How, right? how long does it, does no, it let, take let, to... Let, I draw this point. Let me make this point. Go ahead. Oh. All right. So the, the second the second part and this, uh, and I've got to be careful how I say this because it's... Oh, I mean, please don't how it comes out you know so the second part is that uh a lot of and this might come to some of what you're talking about a lot of cities have preferential hiring and this deals with some of the female side have preferential hiring for people with military backgrounds uh so in so for example in promotion tests in places like philadelphia or in some cases hiring if you have a bachelor's degree on the, the civil service exams you get an extra two points if you have a master's degree you get an extra three points if you have military service, and that could be as short as six weeks in boot camp, 10 points. Mm. So the whole system is geared towards attracting people with military backgrounds. Now, I That's have some point. military service in my background, so I'm not dissing the military in the slightest. Uh, I was in the reserves, but I was a lieutenant in the engineers. I'm not dissing military service, and I love the people I spent time with. But that's going to, because military service is predominantly male, that's going to continue to skew the distributional spread and keep the occupation open, uh, less open to people who can bring more diversity in terms of skill sets and backgrounds. And consider the vast majority of policing is now dealing with social service issues. It's dealing with homelessness. It's dealing with truancy. It's dealing with people mental health problems. You don't need to be you know, bench pressing 260 pounds every day to be able to deal with that. You need a different skill set, which is not to say that men don't have it, which is not to say that people with a military background don't have it. But it's something I think we have to start thinking about. So how, how, how long does it take to, uh, to become a police officer in England? 
It's six months here, correct? Uh, yeah, it's, it's months I'm, I'm a bit out of touch with where it is, but you know, if you really want to see it, you go to places like the Scandinavian countries where it's two to three. I mean, speaking with Scandinavian it's police here, officers right? is, de- is depressing. You kind of go, oh, I'm just a starting police officer, and they speak three languages, and they have a master's degree, and it's like, holy crap, I and mean, they're just like an ordinary police officer. But it, ta- it takes years. <laughs> that, that, it takes ridiculous. years. They take two or three years to become an officer yeah, in a place in where they have no crime. It, well, maybe that's why they have no crime. <laughs> that's not why that's they have no crime. They they, they, these well, they, they had a disaster recently in Iceland where a police officer, uh, it's like a couple he of years cursed, ago, right? a police officer shot and killed somebody oh. for the first time in the history of Iceland. Can you just imagine a city in the United States with 300, 400,000 people where a police officer never, ever shot and killed somebody? It's just unheard of. So it's a, it is a very different kind of environment. And they spend but, a couple of years yeah. in the police They all have academy. like but, hunting devices and everything. I mean, yeah. No, but, uh, but, but I think that's one part of the problem. The rest of the world, it takes years to become a police officer. Yeah, Except si- here. 16 weeks in some places. Well, it's, like, uh, you know, I, it's, it's four years. The f- and and they, the, the, so the Philando Castile thing, I heard, I remember reading somewhere that somebody said that instead of saying, don't take the gun out, if the cop had simply said, put your hands on the steering wheel. Because he gave him conflicting things. Says, "Show me your license." That's a common. Don't thing take now. the gun. Like I, I, but this is bad training. The training should have been. It's tell it's him a to person put it. amped up. Like I, I've seen who's people amped like, up. The the guy the guy who shot uh, the cop. Castillo. Because that's just amped up. Like I've seen people who I work with who've given someone directions. There was somebody who who brought a knife into court. He gave him directions. He gave him conflicting directions because he was very amped up. He was yeah. said, "Put your hand." He said, "Put your hands on your head." And lay down on the floor Science. and wait a minute behind your back. <laughs> he brought. He said like three different things in yeah. like one. He sentence. brought a knife to court. Yeah, you can get it in your shoe because we don't make people take off their shoes. Yeah, you what's can bring the point? it in your ass. You could do anything. So you want. yeah, so it's the pat your head and rub your stomach that gets everybody. Yeah, so, exactly. So this is That's thing. exactly what it was. So this is. I think. So actually, you're agreeing with me, but this is the thing about being amped up. This is human. Yeah. And I would imagine that training is the only way. To at least get close, I, I probably nothing can really simulate really when you know your life is threatened. But training is the but only way again, for people to be able to handle but that's it. That's again they're my amped point: up. is like it's, it's six months training versus four years or three years everywhere else. Yeah, that makes a difference. There are a bunch of progressive police chiefs across the country working with researchers in a variety of organizations. The National Police Foundation is one of them, and some others that really are looking towards what are the best ways to tra- change training and systems. Yeah. You know, a lot of these problems occur because of poor systems. And, you know, rather than just trying to fix the one anecdotal case and try and diagnose that, we want to try and look at these, these broader systems. There's a whole bunch of police shootings, uh, police-involved shootings that, uh, you know, the term in the business is lawful but awful. In other words, how do we change the system where the cop could shoot and is in a reasonable position to do so, but were there other options that were possible that were better choices that could have been made? And those are training issues. So there are a bunch of these things to deal with, but there, there is a push to try and with the more progressive police departments. Uh, you can go to the middle of nowhere, kind of, you know, a bunch of places, and you're not going to see a lot of progress. Yeah. But for the, the larger departments, especially the, you know, places like Baltimore are struggling, other cities are struggling, but there are, a lot, there are a lot of people in policing who are trying to get smarter about the business. There is a real intent to try and improve things. Wasn't the whole, wasn't policing started because of slavery? Like right after, right? Is that, am I wrong? Tell me, can you tell me why I'm wrong? Because there's always been police. But isn't it like the whole like fraternal order of police? No, since the Romans, they have police. 
Well, they had armies. Every but country they had has police. Yeah, the Romans had a Praetorian had Guard. Pol- yeah. that, right, that's to job protect was to the protect the I was just Senate. making this up. I right, can't believe it's true. No, no, it's true. Right, to protect the Senate, but not, to, but not to police the civilians. It was to protect. It was a protective. It yeah. wasn't. That is one of these racial uh, myths that go around. It, it, no, there was. A, I mean, the, the the start of kind of organized yeah. bodies was the slave patrol in the United States. It was, yeah, but then, it, but then policing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then maybe no, the training no, has not evolved yes. enough since it's, then. It, is all. It's not the case. There, there has never been a time where the laws <laughs> were not. Were, there was there's never been. A, okay, so so. Um, in other in countries that didn't have slaves, if you killed somebody, who who looked into that? No. So you've what you've got in so what you've got. So I can tell you about the start of the British police because that was my old force. Uh, my my the Metropolitan Police in London was started twenty uh, ninth of September eighteen twenty nine, right? And they set up a law. They were starting to have a lot of lawlessness in the city. So it wasn't race. It wasn't slavery. Okay, because slavery being abolished a generation be, before it was abolished in the United States. And yet there it was about. Yeah, it depends how far to the left you want to speak to some academics. They'll say it's all about controlling the population and keeping the, the man down and all that kind of stuff. That's not my area of expertise. My PhD is in the geography of crime for crying out loud. But what you have on the other side is you know, it was a, to deal with the lawlessness about the crime. So in Britain, it was about crime. It really wasn't about slavery. And I'm sure there's half a dozen British academics who'll just chastise me for saying that, right? But here, yeah, the first all really organized groups with kind of badges and a sense of collective, like a body, like a, almost like a Authority. little militia unit, was to start the slave patrol. You're right. But the others, but the other side, they had no, they had no policemen in New York. She's not right. I don't. I'm, <laughs> they I'm had rejecting no, all of the. <laughs> they I had no police in New York. Yes, it's it true. They did have doesn't want no, you to be right. The slave patrol started in the 1750s. The first police started in New York City in about the 1830s. Okay, and why did they start policing in in New York? Because there was no slavery in New York. Because in the policing started there because what you had was big cities and you had a bunch of people coming to the cities and you had one of those opportunities. Did you say that they were black people coming to the cities? No, you had a bunch of people. A bunch of people. Yeah, I keep getting my muck and furs waddled. Right. No, there's there's been police. my English accent. As far as I know, there's police in every country on the face of the earth. Now, maybe there is some, I mean, maybe you're right that the first organized with badges was this particular thing, but that's not to say that prior to that organized one, there wasn't an ad hoc, disorganized law enforcement something. Like a constable, oh, yeah. like a town constable. There's, got, there's gotta be sheriff. I mean, there's gotta be, I, I don't know how it worked, but I know that if you killed somebody, the idea of being... Look, that, the, so, so the, 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 the idea that annoys me about this is that the, the, the Wokarazzi is going to come down on me for saying this, but you know, where is also the notion that from 1750 to 2019, organizations can't evolve? Policing now and how a lot of people who are involved in policing want it there's no relationship to that the slave patrol. So there is the whole kind of yes, we should acknowledge that's where it started from. Okay. But let's not no. try and suggest for a moment that policing in 2019 is the 2019 equivalent of the slave patrols. Well, I, I would and agree with you 100, percent even if it were true. But I still don't understand something. What, what year did you say they started? Uh, about seven, uh, 1750s around. Okay, then. in 1720, if you murdered somebody, it was it illegal. I would certainly hope so. Okay, and who would frowned upon. who would arrest you? <laughs> uh, I think it, I mean you. You're talking back about a time when it was just kind of local justice did its own thing. No, just, no, no. D- they, they, somebody would arrest you. I mean, I I just read Crime and Punishment. You know, it's at St. Petersburg in Russia. In the, you know, mid 1800s. 
and they had a whole sophisticated law enforcement system there with police and right, judges. Right, in the mid-1800s. We had but that's, that, that's in, in Russia. I'm saying, you know, yeah. I just can't believe that in Russia they <laughs> yeah, had this. In the and in America, we, we all in the 1700s, we just, had, we just had town justice. We had to have, we had jails, didn't we? First modern police in the United States was 1820s, 1830s. So the Philadelphia first year police. the Irish came are, are to you Philadelphia Police Department yeah. Are you saying there was no laws about punishment for... For murder prior to 17, what, what year, 1750? No, you had the commipositas, you had a group of people that go, that's the guy that did it, and you go charging him, you grab that guy, you bring him in front of a judge, and the judge says, hang there him, was a that judge. happened 10 minutes later. There was a judge. Yeah, there were laws okay. and there were judges, but there were no what we considered to be modern police. Civilian Yes, patrols. modern police, I understand, but, but the idea that we what didn't What we'd recognize law, as police now. That yeah, we no. didn't need law enforcement until slavery, that, that the whole idea of law enforcement, maybe well, that's not what she meant. We didn't have guns. No, they, they did have guns. <laughs> no, we no, did. You know what? I, I might have been reading I, too I much into what you said. It sounded like you were saying, like, if it wasn't for slavery, we wouldn't have these no, people I, no, enforcing no, no, the no, laws well, out no, there. No, well, I was well, saying, some, no. There are some people. Wait, no, because what I was saying, because they were talking about training, and so my thought was, is just that, like, if if it, the training's being passed down for, what, 150 years now, like... Well, it's not... Pa- I'm sure it's not the, the same. I mean, they No, have- I understand, but, like, evolution still takes time, and biases still... I mean, people still talk the same. People still look at people the same. People still hated Obama because he was black. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's just... It doesn't matter, like, what group you're in. It just is, like... So, like, the training for the police that started because of slavery, like, maybe it takes a little bit of time to get that out of your system. You should write for the New York Times. <laughs> <laughs> I like Vanity Fair. So when you when you when you work in reducing crime and stuff like that, like honestly, oh. what do you think the percentage would be that you could be able to reduce crime by? Like if we do our best, like because they're always going to be a crime, right? Oh yeah, I mean, I think it's a Bill Maher came up great jokes, and there's only two places where there's no crime. You wouldn't want to live in either of them. One's North Korea, and the other's Disneyland, right? <laughs> <laughs> But what you end up with is, uh, you know, we know that there is, what we look for is patterns. So if I can see a pattern, if there's a bunch more crime in one location than a few blocks away, there's some reason for that. There's some opportunity that's being exploited. So what we look to is to get crime down to what we would consider to be kind of low level and random. So there's a lot of places to go. But most, the, there seems to be some strong, you know, the left wing side of things. On the right wing, people are going to say we just need to clamp, you know, clamp down and more focus on it. Are you going to say the left is the abortion rate? Yeah, no. the, the I, left, I like that the, theory. The left are I like that going, theory a lot. Yeah, the left are going to be going down the whole road of uh, you know more early childhood intervention, and they're, 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 both sides have merits in all of this. The, the one place I would argue is if we can improve, reduce the opportunities. So some of the opportunities are for serious repeat offenders. If we can increase their perceived risk of carrying a firearm, I'm not against stop and frisk. Philadelphia Police Department ran an experiment uh, some it. years ago, and they put foot patrols. Now, foot patrol is very different than uh, foot patrol is very different than a car. You know, a police car driving past at forty miles an hour, I, mm-hmm. I'm going to worry about then. But I've got two cops walking towards me. I'm carrying a gun. I'm going to be a little bit more worried. They have time to look me up and down. They have to make eye contact. They might say hello, ask me what I'm up to. So what they did was they put foot patrols in violent crime areas, and we did an experiment. So we picked 120 violent crime areas in Philadelphia. We randomly selected 60 for the foot patrols and 60 that were just as high crime. So they're equivalent. Good, a good comparison. At the end of three months, in the areas where we put the foot patrols, violent crime was down 23%. That's more than 50, 60 people who were not robbed, not shot, not killed, not mugged. What we ended up with, though, we found that pedestrian stops, police doing stop and frisk, 
or a stop at least in those areas, was up 64%. So a chunk of this is if we can make serious violent crime offenders think twice about carrying a gun, they're less likely to use it in that heat of the moment time. And that's going to help reduce violent crime. That being said, we can also reduce opportunity by improving security on cars. We can make our cars safer. We can have better security in buildings. We so can have me, CCTV cameras. Let, let me, let me just you lock say your door, right? Yeah, says, no, we don't. So that's going to surprise <laughs> you is that uh, I don't think I'm for stop and frisk. It, the, the, the resentment that it causes and, uh, among black people who get stopped is a real social problem. That, so are, are you that, for random selecting an airport? Leave the airports aside for a second. Oh, yeah, because it's my people. Fine. No, <laughs> no. I'm just saying that, that, that obviously it, it would stop crime. And if you, if, but um, we really, I, I mean, you have to find the sweet spot. We, but I think we really underestimate how this angers because in, in that stop is when the cop treats the dude like he's under his thumb that he talks down to him that he's nasty and and officious and um, none of which is necessary by the way right but this is but you're never going to stop and if you get like I, I have people who work with me who are wait, wait, court officers go ahead, go ahead. Go. the reason you're never going to stop is because the person being um, it takes two people to stop it the person being stopped and frisked is going to talk to the cop like he's an asshole too and then the cop is going to become human and answer in kind so I'm just saying that this is a real a real social cost, so much so that I turned from hearing anecdotes from people I knew who had been through this, that I turned away from stop and frisk in the current climate. Yeah. Not, not in the 90s. So go ahead. I, I, but, but what I was, sorry, but what, what I was saying is, you know, focused on, on known serious repeat offenders. But the broad scale kind of stop everybody in the neighborhood. No, that's bullshit. Has, yeah. has there any bit? Be, well, let, any let, let him get because he didn't get his. Yeah, well, I, I have people who work in law enforcement who get stopped, either car stops or they get stopped on the street all the time. Usually, what you do is you show them your shield and you keep it moving. But sometimes there, I like I had a friend Ashanti. He got stopped three times in two weeks, and he's like, "This is fight." Like he now resents NYPD cops, yeah, yeah. even though he's in law enforcement, yeah. even though he kind of sees us as doing similar jobs, he now is resentment. So the, I, I think the percentages of catching a gun or catching somebody who's out on a warrant is not particularly high, but the damage it costs just randomly stopping people. So cool. I, I, let, I, let me ask you a quick question. Yeah. Was, yeah. was there any studies about uh, black cops in black neighborhood doing stop and frisk versus white? Because I think that maybe w w would like avoid the problems that you were talking about. In, no, I mean, so I, not that <laughs> immediately springs to mind when people have had a look at that, but the I'm the first one. Yeah. The, wow. I mean, so so I hate to go anecdotal, but you know, there's some anecdotal stuff from you know uh, uh, David Simon who wrote The Wire uh. said that you know when he was spending a lot of time out in the street, he says some of the worst cops for dealing with the black guys on the street were the black cops. But that's just an, that's an anecdotal so, side of things. But the interesting thing about what you're saying is that if you have a negative experience with a police officer, so you're like, ah, oh, fuck, you know, you need to have anywhere between like five and 13 or 14 positive experiences to change your mindset. They're like so Jews the in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the odds are stacked against you. You know what I mean? If you're, you have, you know. He said like, like Jews. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm ignoring that. Yeah, so. I'm embracing my atheism. <laughs> so you've got, you know, it's, it's, the odds are stacked against getting a positive impression of police because, you know, I stop you on the street. 
And I'm a, you know, I'm a, I was a great cop. You know, yeah. you'd, you'd, we'd get on the treat. You'd like me, right? But you've had a negative experience before. It doesn't matter what I do because I'm, if I'm lucky, I'm one of 10 to 15 positive experiences that you need to have before you're changing your mind about policing. So the odds are stacked against cops having a, having a positive kind of, you know, image with certain communities if they're going out and, you know, the, the policy is to be more proactive. Police departments don't have official policies of stop and frisk. Stop and frisk is something that's allowed under the Constitution. So when you see cities saying, we are no longer doing stop and frisk, well, the cops are going, actually, we're allowed to by the Constitution in the United States. So, you know. Can I tell you an anecdote about how most guns are recovered in New York City? Yeah. From what I see in the courts. From what I see in the courts and what I see just in general. So the most common thing is a car stop or on the street stop. And on a car stop, you need probable cause to search a car. So you, if you follow anyone for a block or two, they'll make a traffic infraction for you to pull them over. If you follow, he, he didn't turn on a signal. Great, let's pull him over. You pull him over because he's a black dude in, in a car with tinted windows. Good enough. Let's pull him over. You pull him over. Now, he's cooperative with you. Can I search your car? No. Okay. Oh, uh, the most common lie that I hear every single time, I, and I can't even tell if it's a lie at this point, is I smell the odor of marijuana, so that gave me probable cause. The beauty of this lie is that a year from now, when you go to court, can't prove you it. can't prove the smell of marijuana. And a lot, a lot of times they'll search their car. There's no marijuana. There's no nothing. And so, and what happens is, well, we found a gun. So let's prosecute the gun crime. And it's this really unfortunate thing where you're making a lot of probable, you're making car stops on to get probable can, cause can, to can search I a car to get the gun off the street which is admirable, but you're doing it in a way that's pretty shitty to everyone who's, who doesn't have a gun. I just want to say, I, this is, I want to say how, how serious I think it is, since you said it, please. I think that even though, like Kaepernick kneels about the police shooting, and that makes us think that the African-American resentment towards the cops is about the shootings, which I don't think it is at all. I think that's just... The, the, the catalyst for that expression at the time, I think it is the day-to-day -day treatment that innocent black guys get from the cops being pulled over, spoke talked down to, like what you're describing your friend. This is why the black community in America is seething with hatred towards the cops. And then when somebody gets shot, they'll oh, fuck them. But, but I believe if, if they didn't have that day-to-day -day bad experience with the police, then from time to time when somebody got shot, they'd be like, oh, you know, I wonder what happened there. Yeah. Because I know cops. Cops are fine. It, it, and it's, it's, you know, I don't know how much, like, experience you have. Like, if you talk to black guy, every single black guy I know has a story that make your hair stand on end about uh, being treated badly by the cops. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's terrible. I had one bad experience. And, and I don't know if I can blame me. it on the cops. <laughs> I, I, so maybe I, you need more than 15 positive experiences. I don't experiences. know. I, I was pretty, you're having I, a wealth of positive experience and you're just like not registering any I worked of it. a 14-hour day and I went to get a burrito and I just was sort of looking at the floor. A cop, two cops came in and I believe he was Sikh, actually. He yeah. had the little thing on. Uh, you're not Sikh. I don't know why I'm looking at you. Yeah, I'm not sure. I was but, trying to but not out. too far off. I know why. Yeah, it's closer to Sikh yeah, than the rest of us. Enough <laughs> that area. It's completely the wrong continent as I, well. It's yeah, sure. perfect. But so I oh, was Mr. PhD here. <laughs> oh, I don't know, geography. So I'm just looking at the floor. Wait, I'm looking at the floor. I've traveled, you know. I worked a long work day. I'm looking at the floor, waiting, for, waiting for my burrito. And the the cop, he takes, he fucking takes his uh, expandable baton, hits the side of the chair I'm on. And goes, are you all right? Are you fucked up right now? 
And I went, no, I'm not fucked up right now. I'm very tired. And he goes, okay. Yeah, well, but, yeah, you look you pretty know, fucked up right now. So. You know what you did, right? What's that? You, you know it's against the law in New York City to stare at a burrito with intent. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I, so I hold guess. on, that's your fucked up story? Uh, it's nothing. Guy? It's <laughs> a nothing I'm, story. I'm going to tell you a fucked up story. It's a nothing story, but it's enough to me, for me to go, these motherfuckers. That's like, why so you hate I, the cops? So I'm going to tell you. I don't hate them. So it's I, just that one story really like made me think for a few minutes. I like, bet you I can't Kate never had a bad experience with a cop. Have you? Uh, Maybe when she dated. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I got arrested a couple of times. But Did you? All the time she deserved been it. Like, <laughs> really? <laughs> like, I've just made jokes. I, they don't have, they're, they don't love my humor. Really? So. Like, oh, I think wow. I'm fucking hilarious. And they're like, uh, <laughs> you're going to the electric chair. No. Uh, so I, I had two bad experiences. Yeah. I had two bad experiences no. with the cops. One time when I was really roughed up for no reason. Which I've told that story on the air before, and it's, I'm okay, but just it was ridiculous. And I remember thinking, if I was black, there's no way you could convince me it wasn't because I was black. But I'll tell you a fucked up story I never told you about the cops. I was driving home in Ardsley, and I don't think I was over the legal limit because I have a breathalyzer in my car. <laughs> <laughs> but so the wait, fact you have a breathalyzer in your car is kind of a clue that <laughs> yeah. no, because you, because I'm so close well, to that line. When I, yeah, sorry, when I was playing music a lot for a living. And I would drink during the night. I didn't want to drive drunk. So I, so I bought a little home breathalyzer in the car and I would test to make sure. So I, I wasn't over reliable? But, but what? Are they reliable? I don't know. That's why I said I don't think. They're not particularly. Right. Right. But, but the real ones they like flush out with alcohol. But uh, I, and I, I mean, I was never the type. Uh, anyway, but I, but I, even after wondering, I, I, you lose a little inhibition, right? So I'm driving home. I live on this hill and <laughs> there was go. like a, there was a, there was a stop there. Like they're, they're doing work on one lane of a two way street. And it, w- it was poorly marked. And so I just went into the lane of, op- it was four in the morning, went into the lane of opposite traffic and went around it and drove. And the cop pulls me over and, and says, you shouldn't be going up the street. And I, and I said, look, it's not, uh, it's not marked properly. I didn't know. And, and we got into an argument and I, and I said, I don't know why you're, you're talking to me this way. Like, way I would never talk to a cop if I hadn't had a drink or two. And the cop says, no, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be disrespectful or anything. I didn't, I didn't, I hope you don't think, I'm just like, I'm just trying to do my job here. No, no, you know, totally back down. Hold on, he was that good. And you say this is a negative experience? No, that I, said, awesome. I, said, I said, no, I didn't say, I said it would infuriate you. Maybe I meant, maybe I did say that. I meant to say a cop in the store that would infuriate you about uh-uh. the cops because it was, if this was white privilege, if there ever was, here I was, I was a little bit drunk. I had broken the law and I'm talking back to the cop. And what does he do? I'm sorry, sir. I didn't mean to be disrespectful. Okay. You, you go home. I t- I t- now that t- might also be small town cops as well. You know, Ardsley, yeah. And but Westchester my County. goodness, if no, I, if no, I had been some <laughs> black guy, if I had been some black guy on that road at that night, whatever it is, there's just no way. My kind of like bad experience, I was in high school and we used to throw these parties every summer at this like rec room in a condo complex thing right and like they just have them like all the time and then like this one week there's like 10 of us there like nobody you know like lame night and these cops like come in but they can't like they they did it like a SWAT team style like I was outside smoking a cigarette they like come in I just see and I was like cops by the time I like even turned around they were in from all sides this is like nowhere Connecticut like they had not you know what I mean and it just felt like so crazy to us, I mean, especially because we were like hyper educated and just like, and I was like, this isn't even a regulation size beer pong table. So I don't think this counts as, you know, I just like dicks. <laughs> I, I tell you, uh, we got we to gotta go. Yeah, last one. It's, it's not, it's not so, just like how <laughs> fucked up the cops are sometimes. 
I was. Yeah, that's a great way to finish. Thanks for inviting <laughs> me. On that. Yeah, it's all bad. I, yeah. I said sometimes. sometimes. Yeah. This is how I was ending one, on a positive. I, I was. I was in in Central Park, like six or seven o'clock in the morning, drunk driving. You know, <laughs> I shouldn't be in Central Park, and I was in the middle of a bike race. They closed it. Not only there was a race, and I was in the middle racing with them. They stopped me. I have a PPA card from somebody very important. They give me nothing. No ticket. Nothing. <clears throat> Two days later, I'm totally fine. I make a right, and I don't have the card on me. Give me four tickets, you know. So if if you are somebody, <laughs> that's, that's karma. No, <laughs> but you should have got four up. tickets my, before. So I should have got arrested the first time. But my point is, if you are somebody, they will let it go. You so, know, which but, is not fair. So here's my point about this: that you consider that oh, to be like a whole negative experience. What? Remember, I was saying like. Positive experience, negative experience. Yeah, no, no, you but, had that awesome positive experience. Be but, like, still but fuck I did the cops. But it wasn't red. If you don't think it's fucking fair, then don't carry the PBA card. Well, I'll, then it'll be fair. First for me. <laughs> I didn't think it was no, but, fair. But, but I could have got it. But uh, yeah, but uh, you know, uh, the cop. You, you are literally. You you took you let the cop let you off and then you're criticizing him for letting but you off. Not only it's letting me up. off, let, no, the way I you cheated on my test, the teacher didn't catch me. I should have been arrested. I should have been arrested. It was admitted. Like I swear to God, I was like I was. Go turn yourself I, in. I Nobody's you. I, was, <laughs> I I remember I was thinking, why is there so many bikes around me? Like I was in the oh, middle God. of a bike race. But anyway, can you can you imagine if you would hit a few of those bikers trying to convince? Everybody, you weren't a terrorist. <laughs> well, that 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 too. You know? I'm just a drunk Muslim <laughs> using my car to, to mow down pedestrians. Uh, by, I'm not. By, I'm not. By a the terrorist. way, this story could be fiction. So <laughs> right, we have to go. That's for my lawyer. Well, uh, thank you so much. If you want to share your information or where people can find you, I don't know after this why anybody would want to follow me. But if they're on Twitter, I'm at Jerry J E underscore Ratcliffe R A T C L I F E. Jerry underscore right. And your website is uh, .net. You can find not me. Dot com. Yeah, but you can also find me at reducingcrime.com. There you go. Justin? You can find me on Twitter at Justin Perez and on Instagram as at the fartbox. And uh, I have a podcast called Poo Poo Platter. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Great stuff. Oh, you want to say your podcast? Oh, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I've got a podcast as well called Reducing Crime, and it's uh, interviews with. Yeah, senior police folk who are doing interesting stuff and leading crime and policing researchers. So for any of the cops or any of the researchers listening on, it's a Reducing Crime podcast. Excellent. Yes. Kate? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at ScotchTheCat. Like ScotchTheCat, the I remember. Um, or at the bar underneath my apartment. <laughs> All right, and live from America. (laughs) (laughs) What's the exact address? Uh, Live from America podcast.com. Thank you. Good night. You were listening to Live from America podcast. To contact us, please go to www.livefromamericapodcast.com. Brought to you by the Comedy Cellar and Rethink Production. 